Blog Talk Radio. You know, I have you around for a reason, believe it or not, and it's certainly not your good look. No, it's not. Okay, well, there's a reason, and that's your reason, folks. It's that, like that. I mean, that early game out in London, I don't think the Rams have a firepower. I'm going Giants. On a national level, how big do you think a Cubs versus Indians World Series would be? will go wild saying Ricky Vaughn, hey, here's the Terminator. If you if you get a piece of it, you can rename it. Hi everybody, this is Ken Danico, three time Stanley Cup champion of the New Jersey Devils, and you are listening to the hard hitting Fantasy Jester Show. Wow, that was great. Coming back from vacation, a little bit of a little bit of a glitch from the guys there. It's all right. It's all good. Coming back from the vacation, sounding lovely here on Blog Talk Radio, hard hitting fantasy jester show. Folks, listen, vacation's over. I've had time to rest. We've got things all together, getting things ramped up. This is the start, year three, football. Me, the guys, the gals, and everybody that brings you the show are happy to be back, bringing it to you live from Leesburg, Florida. Thanks to Blog Talk Radio and that crystal clear sound. That's right. Not just Blog Talk Radio, but FantasyJesterSports.com. And uh, we've got a couple other things we'll be talking about because we're brought to you by more than that. Miami Sunrise is in control number, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll be talking about tonight on the show, Vacations Over, all-star pitcher Bob Tewksbury joins us. He's been on before. If you remember from the past, if you're uh, returning for us newbies out there, we've had Bob on before and had lots of fun uh, with him. And this one does not disappoint. We are having a great time once again with him. And the show really... I look forward to it. I look forward to that part. And again, it's pre-recorded, and I look forward to it again just because it was that fun. And I, I'm hoping you all will enjoy it. You did the first time. He doesn't disappoint. He really is. He's short of Larry Zabisco. If you heard the Larry Zabisco interview, all right, then you understand where I'm talking. Anything's possible. So, you know, we're very proud to bring. He's a former all-star pitcher. He's an author of a must-read book. 90% mental, all-star player turned mental skills coach. He reveals the hidden gem, the hidden game of baseball. He works right now currently with the San Francisco Giants. And like I said, later on the show, we'll be having him. MLB, trade winners and losers, because you know what? You know who's coming. If you've heard the show before, my co-host through Every podcast that we've done over the past couple of years now, whether it's been this, Gridiron Guys, the, all of them, wherever we've gone together and done, had a great time with this man. Listen, and this is how I want you to take a look. If you're new to the show, 
before I continue on. Let me let me explain how some of this all works around here. It's myself and JT. It's our show. We bring in a ton of guests for debate. But some of the things that we're proud of, you know, everybody has stats. Every podcast has stats. I want you to listen to what myself and JT have to say. The guests are for a point of discussion as far as the stats are concerned and how you should guide your fantasy team. That's where JT and I come in. We have that proven record of success. For those of you who are new, my baseball record last year in the money, 91%. This is documented. And I challenge a lot of people to the idea of you play in as many leagues as I do and come up with the same numbers. And I'll be more than glad to listen. As far as football is concerned, JT and I, together form a one-two punch that really, uh, and JT, no slouch in baseball. Listen, the guy's won enough trophies that from leagues that I know of, and that's not including the leagues I don't know about. So basically, we can bring in the stats, but you know what? Everybody can bring in stats. If they bring in the guys that they feel, you know, they should. Humor. We bring the humor. Some try. Some don't even try. We bring the humor. There's going to be ha-has and hee-hees, you know. Those of you, like I said, who, who've heard the show before and, and heard some of the past things. And, and again, you'll hear it throughout the show tonight. Uh, I'm not making it up. We have great guests. Some do. Some don't. You know, it's not easy being a podcaster and being able to pull these guests that we get. You know, especially if you don't have ESPN or... Uh, NBC, and that's why a lot of podcasters don't have the guests. It's it's not easy. The record of charity work, if you're new, you're seeing the pictures go by. Okay, if you're watching on Blog Talk Radio right now live, or we're at one of the several areas that we go ahead and try and make sure that people understand this is about is our charity work. We, we use this platform for stats, for humor but to help children. And that's where Make-A-Wish comes in and, and several other things. Uh, we, we have the record with that. And again, I'm not going to get into that right now. And again, some do, some don't. Why are you listening to the Fantasy Justice Show tonight and from now on after this, you newbies? Because how many have all of that, though? See, yes, everybody brings the stats, a few bring the humor. A few bring the guests. A few might do charity work. How many truly do all of that? Then, let's be honest. How many have the beard? How many have the beard? Fear the beard, folks. Fear the beard. And, and if you're a podcaster out there, I, I, I have celebrated all of you with my new hashtag is fear the beard. Because here is one thing. No matter what you do, most of you out there, if you walk through an airport, if you walk through a stadium, if you walk through an arena, will look like every other fan out there. You don't have the beard. You don't have the glasses. Thanks to Miami Sunglasses, one of our sponsors we'll be getting to. Folks, 
Sorry. That, that's, this is just the way it is. This is why we're growing so fast. This is why we've got a lot of newbies, such as yourself, listening tonight. Welcome aboard. Have fun. Listen, we're going to go MLB trade winners and losers. We're going to go September call-ups. Uh, we're going to start talking about who you should target for your fantasy team as the playoffs approach. NFL first preseason game is in the books. I have a feeling that might make my rant. If you're new, I have a rant coming. Season three of our football coverage ahead of next week's release of my rankings. Jester puts out his rankings. Going to give you a bunch of sleepers and all that. Can't give you much yet. Finalizing some things, doing some more research. We'll get into that later. Uh, who, who should we start? Who will tank? Who's overhyped? Who isn't being talked about enough? And then at the end of the show tonight, from a fantastic fantasy group on Facebook, it's, it's year-round fantasy football discussion if you, on Facebook. Go join the group. It's a great group. We like to have fun there, okay, and a bunch of learned people on there that give great stats. So, again, we'll be having Michael Cunningham from that group. He's one of the admin in that group, and uh, we'll be having him on, going to be talking all NFL with him. But first, let me get to my rant. I mentioned the preseason game, the NFL preseason game, and the butchering of my sport continues. A sport where that shield was built on the names like the assassin, Jack Tatum, Mean Joe Green, Night Train Lane, Hard football. This shield, the NFL shield, was built by those names, by how they played. There was an expectation that when you tuned into football, what you were going to get. What you get now is not football, not the football that made the shield what the shield is today. Okay? That's rant number one. Rant number two has a shout out to my vacation real quick before we bring in the guys. And I'm about to go ahead, bring in JT, bring Nick Kutowski in. He's going to help us out on a portion. Then we're going to do the interview. Then we'll bring in with uh, Bob Tewksbury. Then we'll go ahead, bring in Michael Cunningham. But one of the things I have to talk about real quick about my vacation, it's a two-part rant since JT isn't going to be able to do his tonight. I'm taking his time. To rant about my vacation real quick, and that is in my studio during during the time of my vacation, part of my vacation, there was an 11-year-old brat that was visiting, okay? And now I can't get the funk, an 11-year-old little peedy funk, out of, out of my studio. So let me just explain that as I work tonight, it's not the smell it's the burning of my eyes. There you go. That one goes out to my nephew listening tonight. Little Pete, I love you, man. And, uh, and great vacation. Let's get the show started. Guys, gals, everybody tuning in. Season three, let's kick it underway. I think I'm done with my rant. Okay, enough of the rant. Let's go ahead. Let's get JT. Let's get Nick in here. This is going to be what everybody has been waiting for, you know. 
coming back off of the vacation. Got to have my guys with me. We'll get to the Bob interview. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to really enjoy that. But let's get to some of the meat. Let, let's get to what makes the Fantasy Justice Show the Fantasy Justice Show. And it is no Fantasy Justice Show without my co-host through everything, the one, the only, JT. Jason, how are you tonight? Doing great. Uh, nice little vacation there, right in the middle of summertime. Coming back just in time for the uh, pennant races in baseball. Camp's open in football, so I'm feeling pretty good, Jester. Yeah, this is a fun time for us right now because we're able to go ahead, help people get through their fantasy playoffs, and also get ready for their fantasy football drafts. Just a, a great time, so great to always have you with us. Um, one of the things, folks, and we're starting to get him in here uh, on a regular basis, at least once a month, you know, we do the fins on fins. Uh, we've got to have Nick Katowski on at least once a month, and uh, that is obviously who I'm going to be bringing in right now. He's a guy that I've gone ahead, gotten to know. We've started to add him more and more to the show simply for his knowledge in both sports, both baseball and football. Nick, pleasure to have you on again tonight. Thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. Great to be on. How's everybody doing? Doing great. Doing great, Nick. Awesome. When you're coming off of the vacation that we've just had and the length of time, if you're still complaining after that, life isn't too good. So, no, good times. A lot of fishing. Uh, little Pete was a little Pete, but he can't help it. And um, But, no, let's go ahead. Let's get right into it. You know, we're going to talk a little baseball, a little football tonight. Let's get into some of this baseball. Let's get – in and out of the trade deadline, it just passed. Let me start out with JT. JT, let's let's go with you first. Uh, give mm-hmm. me one of your teams that you felt did well, made made a good deal uh, during the trade deadline. Well, you know it's 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 widely known. I'm an Oakland A's fan, and this will probably be the first time I think I've ever said that the A's were winners at the trade deadline. You know, and it's not necessarily for everything that they acquired. But for once in our existence, we didn't sell off all of our players. Got a nice team this year. You look at four starting pitchers out with Tommy John this year, and Oakland's still contending for not only their their division, you know, but their, for a wild card spot. You look at what they're doing. But the addition of Familia from the Mets, great bullpen arm. You know, they gave up a prospect in Bobby Wall, Will Toffey, and I never thought I'd see the day where the A's actually sent money to a team instead of crying poor a million dollars in the international pool bonus over to the Mets. But uh, I look at this and I think the Mets absolutely got nothing in return for this guy. I I wonder what's going on with that front office over there when you look at New York. But you look at what Oakland did. You add another pen, uh, pen arm to go with Blake Trinan, Trevino, Familia. It's a really nice end to that bullpen, sort of kind of what the Yankees are doing with Zach Brighton, uh, that sort of thing. So really like what Oakland did, kept their key pieces like Jed Lowry, Chris Davis, and a few others. So, honestly, really like what the A's did at the trade deadline. Kind of, I've been waiting to speak to you. We haven't had the opportunity to talk about the A's very much. We were talking about a bunch of other things that we've got going on. And one of them is, it hasn't been your Oakland A's. And uh, I, I've been interested to see what you had to say. Folks, in a little while, after the Tewksbury interview, I'm going to go ahead and give my opinion on all of these things want to go ahead and get Nick and JT's opinion. So 
when I look at that Oakland team, it was refreshing. I could imagine for you and for the Oakland fan base to be buyers. Yes. Absolutely fantastic. Got buyers, buyers, but we didn't trade off uh, a guy that I'm going to talk about a little later on in the Jesus Lazardo. You know, we didn't get rid of some of our top prospects like we've done in the past. We gave away Addison mm-hmm. Russell, Billy McKinney for Jeff Samarja several years ago. You know, so right. I just I like what we got rid of. I like what we have coming back, and I, I think they I think they put themselves in a nice position as the pennant race goes on. Yeah, that's funny you should bring up Lazardo. I've got a question for you about him later on, so we'll talk about him. Nick, go ahead. How about you? Who's your winner? Oh, my winner are the Bay Rays. Uh, call it a homer, but uh, these guys did some moving around inside their organization. So uh, now it, you're going to look at it and say, hey, we've uh, they ended up acquiring Austin Meadows, Tyre Glass now, Michael Perez is a catcher, some more international slot money. They bought on Tommy Fan. They ditched Chris mm-hmm. Archer, who, hey, in my opinion – I think the guy was purposely tanking games, uh, and that's only to lower his value. But I could be wrong on that, but uh, his uh, his stats should be a lot better than what they're actually sitting at for the last two years. They ditched a two-time Tommy John surgery pitcher, a three-time Tommy John surgery pitcher, and ditched an underperforming relief pitcher. So, I mean, they cleaned house, and they picked up some prospects while doing it. Okay, and this is a team that went all out and said, hey, we cleaned most of the house last year at the beginning of the season. Now we're going to clean the rest out, and let's get this uh, rebuild on the way. My thing about the Tampa Bay Rays, and because they are a team I follow closely, and everybody knows I had the opportunity to talk to Archer this uh, spring and whatnot. First of all, the Rays uh, just picked up more prospects that somewhere down the road they're going to trade off anyway because they can't afford to keep them. That's that's the plight of every Rays fan. We get excited. We love the team. Look at who we're going to have. We build up this team to end up being a team that, wow, nobody expected to do well. And then, well, we can't afford to keep the guy. And it's a little frustrating at times. Hopefully with this new stadium coming, uh, maybe a little different fortune for the Rays fans and be able to keep some of these stars that they are piling up year after year, it seems like. They're constantly reloading, reloading, and uh, maybe we'll see something there. As far as Arch is concerned, you know, like I mentioned, I did have the opportunity to talk to the young man and whatnot. As far as purposely tanking, I I can't really see that out of him. It just simply... Why? Uh, it's the quality of the young man when it when the lights aren't on him. Okay. Oh, I, and, uh, I'm, what, I'm what a I mean huge by, Chris Archer fan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I mean by that though is the quality of the young man when the lights aren't on is the guy that and how I ended up meeting him and talking to him was he was this was at spring training he goes walking past folks and uh, I tried to get him to sign a ball and whatnot and. You know, so did a million other people. Well, fortunately, I have the blue beard, and he, he caught his eye. And he said, oh, listen, I'll be back. I'm going to go. I've got to go work out. I've got to hit the weights for a while. And I figured it was a polite way of blowing me off and, and just being nice about it. Well, you know, about a half hour, 40 minutes later, right after batting practice, he comes walking through, and he's maybe about 
30 feet, 40 feet from me, and, and he goes, oh, hey, listen, I told you I'd be back. I, I wasn't kidding. I'll be, t- I'll be down there in a minute. So a guy like that who really didn't know me from Adam was concerned that he had kept his promise to me. Shows somebody that's got some character. So as far as the purposely tanking, no. Did he know he wasn't staying? I guess I can say it now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I didn't say anything before. Every but I guess now knows they're not staying. Yeah. Uh, and he knew he wasn't staying. Uh, he knew damn well. We had talked about that and, and right. something that I couldn't disclose. But – it's, it's kind of the stuff that's it's kind of the stuff that sticks in your starter's head. You, you, you know you're relying on them, and you're kind of pumping them uh-huh. with, "Hey, you're going to be out at any minute now." And it gets in your head. And even if he isn't, you know, purposely tanking them, right. the, the Rays have he, overvalued what his value is to the point that he's gotten into his head that he's he's this good, and I should be getting this, and I should be on a team that does this. And he's this is high quality guy, and in all honesty, he's like my favorite pitcher. Okay, since since uh, well, we've since Oral Hershiser was around, and I love love watching this guy pitch. But the numbers don't equal what they should equal, and I think somewhere either something got in his head or something happened where it says uh, he gets on this pirate team, and all of a sudden I it, think it's time problems. to buy on him. He, he's not a number him. one. More than two. Well, he's he, no, there's two in particular. One, he's not a number one pitcher. And two, okay, hopefully going to Pittsburgh, he'll refine that slider. See, because that's what made mm-hmm. him Chris Archer. And well, he doesn't yep. have that bite on it consistently. Right, KT? and I mean, just one, one quick thought on Chris Archer. I'm not saying he's the caliber of Mike Trout, but it's like I made the comment on Twitter the other night when the few people were talking about Mike Trout. Yeah, he can do everything, but he can't do everything. Okay, right. Chris Archer. I mean, let's let's talk about it. How how much did this guy feel he had to put on his shoulders to carry this team? So maybe you're not as free out there. Maybe you're not out there doing some of the things that you normally do where you're in Pittsburgh now, where you feel you have a little more support. You can kind of you kind of let the stress go and kind of just go out there and pitch. You know, I, I just I think it's a product of being in Tampa Bay more than anything. Yeah, real quick, because uh, we'll move on from this. I, I think his comment, and I've got the guys are trying to pull up uh, his comment about winning and what it means, what his record would be. Hold on one second, because it was very telling. He knew when we were talking, he knew he wasn't going to get a lot of run support. Okay, so what you're saying definitely uh, makes a lot of sense, JT. But listen to how he talks about what I can expect from him in a fantasy way. This is the one. Okay. Hold on. This is right. Okay. I'm going to play this right here for everybody. Chris, so. uh, fantasy Jester here from the fantasy Jester show. You know, I'm looking at wins and strikeouts this year for my team. What can I get predict from you? Uh, you know, what's your prediction on strikeouts and wins this okay. year for me? Um, well, wins are hard to predict. That has a lot to do with your team, but uh, my track record suggests I'm going to have about 200 strikeouts. So um, I think that's a, it's a fair prediction, um, maybe plus or minus a little. But, you know, 200 is always a, always a good target for me. Nice, nice. And you're feeling strong going into the I season. Feel great. Yes, sir. Awesome. Yes, sir. Thanks very much. You have a great Thanks. day. God Thanks bless. Yes, sir. 
So you see what I'm saying? He, he, he alludes to the fact that his wins are a team thing. But there's a guy talking also that, oh, well, I, I usually get 200 Ks and I'm expecting that. But can you imagine being a 200 K pitcher thinking that you might get about 10 wins? Mm-hmm. That's got to be frustrating. Right. Yep. It's got to be fun. All right, listen, guys, moving along. Let's get to uh, let, let's switch it up. Let's go Nick first, and then JT. Let, let's get who lost, who made a bad deal. Nick, go ahead. Who, who, in your opinion, made a bad deal? Oh, bad deal here. I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm looking at the Orioles here. Okay. So bad deal. I mean, I've seen some of the Orioles where you go, okay, hey, they 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 brought in some stuff. They got rid of some players, uh, and you're sitting at a 32 and 74 record on the season, right? They went mm-hmm. after Diaz. Diaz going to be a great name. Pop. I think Pop's going to turn into an okay pitcher for them. But what I'm looking at here that isn't a good deal is I don't think they went after anything that gives them an identity as a team. And that's the big problem, and that's been the problem with the Orioles' front office for the last two years. What direction is this team going? They randomly went out there and grabbed players. Let's throw some more pitchers at the problem. They tried to grab free agents earlier in the season. Now they're grabbing – now they go out and get some more arms. They already have, the, what, like 18 of their 30 players and their top 30 prospects are pitchers at this point, and now they've added some more to it. What direction are they going? Who's going to play outfield for them? Who's going to play this position for them? Who are you going to see? It, it, you have names, and they're all out there, and it's all scattered, and you're just like, okay, who can I pick for fantasy off of the Orioles? Is it going to be Hayes this week, and then is he going to go back down? Is it going? Oh, am, I, am I going to see Diaz, and when am I going to see him? It, it, there's right. just too many questions up in the air for what they went after. I, I, I really struggle to find continuity in their moves and what they're doing. It's hard. Like you said, I, I don't know if finding the identity and a team identity is 100% accurate. It's pretty close. My thing is this, is that they just don't seem to make the right moves. You, you alluded to having haze in the farm system and a guy that should be up and and my feeling is, and maybe I'm wrong, is that I think the next move out of Baltimore is a GM covering uh, bad moves with uh, the end of the season ending Buck Showalter's reign. I don't see him getting out of the season. I think he's going to end up being a, a scapegoat for, for a bad GM in Baltimore. JT, how are you feeling about Baltimore and, and the prospects of what everybody's saying here? Yeah, I, I like what Nick has to say there and yourself as well. Uh, I still look at it and say, if you can't find a place on your roster and you look at their minor leagues for Manny Machado, a gold glove shortstop, they can rake. If you, and a guy, let's, let's look, he's not the same guy from three or four years ago, the incident with Oakland with throwing the bat and, and, and the immaturity. This guy's grown up. They can't find a home for him. The return on him I thought was laughable. I thought the Dodgers absolutely stole him. Uh, I think the Brewers actually paid more for Jonathan Scope than the Dodgers did for, for Manny Machado. I have no idea what that front office is doing. Um, and I agree with you. It, it, Buck Showalter will be the one to pay for it. And I honestly, I'm going to do one better, Nick. I haven't seen a sense of direction from that team since Cal Ripken retired. 
Yeah, I mean that's a possibility. I I, I was just at Camden uh oh two year and a half ago watching the team and they were all they they were all pumped up, ready to go. Stadiums just lit up and you look like they were going in the right direction and then they mm-hmm. lose. And it's just like, let's just go flat. What do we do? Let's right. throw our hands up in the air and give up on this one. Mm-hmm. Sad times. And the problem with that is uh, with Buck getting the ax, Buck's not the problem. I happen to like Showalter no. as a manager. I, I think no, they brought they brought in a they brought in a president to uh, operations that's tied himself in with the general manager, and he's getting a say on it. And Showalter's not getting the players up that he wants. I mean, he's he tried to hold on to uh, Santander and didn't want him up there, and he's like, "Oh, send him back down." He's like, "No, you got to keep him on the team." Yeah, but he's not a good player. You got to keep him on the team, and you're just like, it was a waste wasted experiment. Yeah. Yeah, so it definitely, like I said, it just seems like a team that's lost. Uh, JT, what do you have? Who's who's your bad deal? Well, my, my winner in the AL West is Oakland. I'm going to stay in the AL West and talk Texas Rangers, the team right here in the city in which I dwell in. Uh, John Daniels, what are you doing, man? Uh, you know, you look when Nolan Ryan ran this team. They went to two World Series. They were a perennial contender since John Daniels has taken over this team. It's just horrible move after horrible move. I look at the trades they made, Jesse Chavez to the Cubs for Tyler Thomas. Most scouts that I've read on Tyler Thomas don't have him, uh, as far as talent-wise, better than a double-A player. Cole Hamels to the Cubs for Raleigh Lacey, who's a single-A player down in Daytona. Eddie Butler, who was a prospect, a top prospect for the Rockies at one point, had a couple good starts, but a guy who has no consistency in any way, shape, or form. Keona Kella, who I think has dominant closer ability, uh, to the Pirates for Tyler Hearn, Jake Diekman, another quality bullpen arm, uh, over to the Diamondbacks for Wong. I just I don't see what they're doing here. They brought back nothing for these players in which they traded. Yes, they're moving into that brand-new indoor stadium here in 2020, so maybe they're trying to clean the slate uh, you know, going into that, but there's nothing here to watch on this team. And what they did have, they got rid of. Now, the one move they should have made – and I don't understand why they didn't is you get a guy like Adrian Beltre, who's still a 295 hitter, a guy that can still feel this position as evident the other night with the three diamonds that he had in one game, send him to it. There were, there were contenders that were looking for this guy. They didn't trade him with a chance to actually end his career on a winner. They're going to keep him here in Texas. It's just, what are you doing, John Daniels and Brian Bannister, the, the, the managers? He deserves to be fired. I've never been a fan of his. Jester, we've talked about him before on the show. Not a big fan of this guy. I think this organization is in shambles, and it's a shame because I've seen this stadium that's being built. I've walked up next to it. It's going to be a beautiful place, but they're not going to have any players to put butts in the seats. There's nothing left. The cupboard is bare here in Texas. Ouch. Ouch. And it's a shame. I love that ballpark. Absolutely gorgeous ballpark. Mm -hmm. And the pieces could have been there. I mean, it really, there's, there was talent starting to mix in and a lot of young props. And it just seems like just like maybe, what, two years ago, we started saying, well, you know what, I, I starting to see, you know, maybe the Rangers are going to start putting together a team. And, and there was hope and there was excitement in Arlington and 
all of a sudden now it's this. And, and, and it's a shame because, like I said, it's a good town for baseball. It's a fantastic, gorgeous stadium. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it really is. It's some tough times being a Ranger fan. You know, let me ask you something, guys. As, as we continue moving on now, we've got the trade deadline. It's come. It's gone. We have our winners and losers. I'll be giving my winners and losers a little later on in the show. So the next step up, if you're a baseball fan, is September call-ups. September call-ups are happening. And, Nick, you know, one of the things in fantasy baseball, you're going to hopefully be in in those playoffs, and it would be nice to go ahead and find a sneaky arm to get. A lot of guys want that one more arm to get. Who, Who are we looking at? Who are you looking at, I should say, even more so? Who are you looking at as a good pitcher for a September call-up? All right. So who I'm looking at here is I'm actually going to start targeting the Detroit Tigers. Uh, I'm looking at Bo Burrows, and it's going to seem a little strange, but they are hinting around that they want to see their arms. They want to see what they have. They want to assess this team, and you're going to start seeing a rotation of guys get either called up. It's going to be – two, maybe three guys, maybe Manning's in there. So uh, I'm looking at Bo Burrows as maybe being one of the first names called up. Okay. All right. And, JT, yeah, we talked about, about the crop report. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to stick back here with Oakland. I'm going to talk about Jesus Lazardo. Uh, you're talking about a guy between, uh, you know, with his move so far this season, it's 9-4 and four with a 2.12 ERA. Uh, 93 innings pitched. The guy went 31 straight innings without giving up a run. A dominant strikeout pitcher. Impeccable control. Uh, and there's, you know, big talk. Even Billy Bean's finally starting to come around and look like, hey, with us being in it, this could be a guy that comes up for, you know, for that September 1st call-up, if you will. But this is a mm-hmm. guy that I feel, still think can be a number two starter when it's all said and done. Maybe a number one if he keeps going on this track. But Jesus Lazardo, you got to look at this guy. Strikeouts, ERA, wins, it's the whole nine yards. I really like this kid. Yeah, that's it's great that you touched on that because earlier on a crop report, uh, you were mentioning him as a, a as a possible number two down the line. He's been pretty effective, so so you might be adjusting your rating uh, for for him. Is this something that we well, uh, pay attention to coming into the spring next year? You might push him to a, a number one status on, on your ranking list. Well, yeah, you you look at what this guy's doing. He's added a nice it, it's an exploding slider. It just absolutely that last second just takes off a yeah. dominant pitch, something that they were working on with him over the season. He's taken to it really well, and it's something that you've talked about on many a crop report. When you look at that control, mm-hmm. it's just it's it's amazing to watch this kid pitch. I've got to see him pitch several times. I've been wowed each time I've seen him pitch, uh, and I'm excited what the future holds for this kid. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's interesting to see you bumping him up on your personal ratings. That's something that we'll monitor for the rest of the season. And also, you know, next year when we do our spring training coverage, folks, mm-hmm. we'll be going ahead and seeing exactly, uh, you know, Jay, you'll be out there going ahead and seeing uh, who, what he looks like in person and reporting back to you. And uh, we'll keep an eye on Jesus Lizardo. Uh, now, going ahead, guys, I'm going to go JT first now as we go with the bat for you fantasy folks. Give me a bat 
not named Vlad Guerrero that people should go ahead and get for that September call-up? Well, another guy that we talked about on the crop report, Eloy Jimenez from the Chicago White Sox. We're looking at a guy now with combined double and triple-A numbers. We're looking at a guy who's batting 337, 18 home runs, 59 RBIs, a 26-walk, 51Ks. That is a re- that's some contact. This guy makes contact. He does not strike out. Sort of kind of like the guy Vlad that we're not supposed to talk about. You know, just his plate discipline is something I think he's already major league ready at that point. Uh, you look at what this kid's done all year. The White Sox want to get a look at this kid. I think they need to reward him for the season he's had. And remember, he got a late start to this season, and he's still putting up these numbers. So I think we're going to see Eloy Jimenez up right around that September 1st call-up, and I think this guy's major league ready now. Question with him, okay, and this would be my only concern uh, regarding him. Fantastic hitter. Uh my concern would be, would he be more somebody that you want to pick up for next year rather than this year? Or do you believe that Chicago has the offense around him to make him a good fantasy play for this year? I mean, I think you look at some of the guys in their lineup in Moncada and Sanchez, uh, Davidson, when he's actually hitting the ball, I mean, he's still got some pop. He averages ridiculous. Uh, Abreu and so on. I think you slot him in maybe the number three spot in the order or the number five spot, and I think he fits right in again. We're looking at a guy that in the AAA level is dominating, uh, hitting, hitting the okay. ball. I mean, this guy, this guy's ready to go. Yeah, I wasn't necessarily talking about his bat, but more, you know, what kind of what can we expect in the runs and the RBI department was mm-hmm. my concern. So, oh yeah, and if he uh, slots at three or five, I think you're going to see plenty of both. Okay, beautiful. That's what I that's what I wanted to know. So uh, that's good stuff right there. Nick, give me a hitter. Uh I'm looking at Luis Urias. So right out of San Diego. Guy is you look at his numbers, you say, hey, two sixty five, three seventy eight, three ninety three, you go, uh, he usually subtracts the numbers when you get up to majors, but the guy's mm-hmm. developed his plate discipline. And this is what's gonna make the difference between a make it or break it player. And he's gone from double A. He was sitting at 12.9% walk rate. Now he's up to a 13.9% walk rate. Uh, his strikeout, I, I mean, he's just got such great discipline. And uh, you look at him and you say, he's not going to be a power hitter, but he's going to hit those gaps. And there's nothing standing in his way of getting called up. Maybe Tatis was going to get in his way a little bit. That's not going to happen now with the surgery. So there's nothing that stops this guy from saying, let's bring him up. Hmm. JT, agree? I do. I think the kid. I think the kid has a major league bat. I just wonder if that Padres organization, if they're smart enough to realize it at this point, uh, just another one of those organizations that never seem to make the right move with their players. But I agree with Nick. This kid, he's deserved it. He's earned it. He's ready. What did you think of uh, the Mejia ad, guys? So let me go with JT. Oh, I mean, we're looking at a guy that. Um, the Indians didn't feel could play the outfield. I think that's why they traded him. They've already got a log jam at catcher. So we look over at what he's got in front of him in San Diego. Well, Austin Hedges is still someone they like. He controls the staff pretty well. Got a little power. Doesn't hit for average. Uh, I think he's probably about a year away from, from being an everyday catcher in the major leagues. 
they've come out and said, we like that he can play outfield, but we see him as a catcher. So it's a nice ad for the Padres and a really nice trade for the Indians. What about you? You you agree with that, Nick? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, pretty much all of it. It's uh, – <laughs> you're talking this is an offensive weapon. So if you're looking at a, a catcher with the defensive ability, he has some defensive ability, but he's going to make mistakes behind the plate. That's a given. But is he going to, is that difference of what he's going to produce on the field and specifically for fantasy baseball, that's going to be a great guy to target on your team because uh, he's going to hit. He's, he's shown it in the minors what he can do. He can do, he'll end up doing it once he gets called up. Padres don't have somebody that can hit behind the plate. They've got good defensive catchers, and that's what they have. And that doesn't help fantasy. And one, yeah, thought, yeah, one yeah. last thought on that. They're going to get them in there. Right. They, need, they need runs on this team. They need to score. They're right. one of the lowest run-scoring teams, and, and they're going to use well, them. We're talking, we're talking fantasy-wise. I don't see the power. I don't see him having the power numbers in Petco. I think that hurts his power numbers. I think you're going to be seeing more of a gap, uh, a gap hitter. He's got decent wheels. So maybe a guy that's a doubles, single doubles hitter uh, more than a handful of home runs in Petco because he is not a big guy. He is not a power hitter. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. I see him as either starting out number one position, number two position hitting off. If not, they're going to throw him down the line and uh, let those uh, number uh, their uh, first four guys come around and, and uh, take uh, swings and get on base. But he's going to be a guy that <laughs> they're going to put on base to go around the bases. You know, alluding to what we're talking about here. Austin Hedges is uh, batting 231 for the season, 226 the last 14. It's definitely a position of need for San Diego. I agree with the idea, though, that you're going to see a little less of the power numbers, uh, pretty much what happens to most people when they go to Petco. So uh, some good stuff there, folks. And, again, going ahead, getting this baseball, getting everything set up, I'll be talking more baseball towards the end of the show. And also next week, uh, JT and I will sit down. We've got a couple of things to go over for you fantasy players, get you ready uh, for your coming playoffs. We Maybe we'll be taking some questions from some people. So tune in next week for that. Tune in later on for all that I have on baseball. We're going to go ahead and talk a little football. Then we're going to take, bring, go, go back to some baseball with the Bob Tewksbury interview everybody's been waiting for. Absolutely fantastic. If you want to have a laugh. And you know what? It's one of those conversations that part of it is obviously about baseball, but part of it is just about people and some funny, funny stuff. And uh, you don't have to be a baseball fan to really enjoy what's about to happen and what I'm bringing you with Bob in a little bit. Right now, though, let's get to the other sport. The one that starts, oh, my Lord, everybody's been excited because it is finally football time. And it'll be interesting. We've we've had some great players on already, and we've got some great guests that are coming up. Next week, we've got a great football guest that will be coming in. Can't go – I'm not going to go ahead and say who yet until we have it 100% done, recorded, and, and ready for everybody but I will say this, it is a person that is in the ring of honor for their team. So look forward to that next week. Mm. We have Bob this week. We've got a football player next week, and we got a little surprise for two weeks from now for everybody. So stay tuned. Fantasy Justice Show bringing you all the great guests. 
Let's go football. Let's go football. Yeah. Let's start. Let's start talking this. Let, let's start talking this. And Nick, I'm going to go ahead. What I want is I'm going to have you start, and I'm going to have you give a couple of things. I want to go over a couple of things real quick with you. JT and I will give everybody a little side commentary on it. But next week, folks, for you football people, is the big week fantasy justice show. I start breaking out my top ten list. We'll be discussing that. We're going to be discussing my personal sleepers, my personal bus. We've got a bunch to talk about next week, getting you ready for your fantasy draft. JT and I bring in Ryan Walton and more fantasy football next week is huge. Tell your friends, join in. But right now, Nick, give me your AFC. Hmm. Let's see. Give me your AFC sleeper. AFC sleeper, I'm looking – I'm going with D.D. Westbrook. You know, I'm looking at a guy here who might really just fly under the radar this year because he, he's going to sit further down on any draft chart that you decide you're going to print up for your league. Simply because stats weren't there. He had an injury for most of the year. When he did come in, it took him a little bit of time to get acclimated but this guy's speed, this guy's the type of player that this team needs to cut across the middle. This is the type of player that they need to catch the ball and run and run seven yards, catch the ball and run five yards, catch the ball and run two yards. He's just going to move the ball down the field, possession receiver that, hey, I, I, I'm going to get some – you want a PPR player? This is a PPR player. Interesting, JT. Uh, what's your feeling on Westbrook, where he sits on the depth chart? You know, they've got Marquise Lee there. They brought in Moncrief. Uh, they got, went out and uh, drafted Chark. So um, right. how, how are you feeling about whether or not he's going to be able to go ahead and crack that? He is supremely talented. He underwhelmed last year. What's your right. opinion on him? See, when I think of D.D. Westbrook, I mean, uh, Blitnikoff winner, Oklahoma, so you expected big things from this guy when he came in. But I look at, the, look at the team he's on, and I look at the guy that runs that front office or one of those people that has a lot of say in Tom Coughlin. He's built this team like the old Giants teams. They want to play smash-mouth football with Leonard Fournette and let their defense and their defensive line in the secondary absolutely suffocate the opposing offense. Time of possession, strong defense. Too many mouths to feed with Moncrief. Lee, who showed a lot last year. Chark as a draft pick. I just I see too many mouths to feed for me to put too much in D.D. Westbrook right now. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking more of a running team there, so I'm not as high on D.D. as I would be uh, for somebody else at the wide receiver well, position. I just can't do it. You you already know I, I have a, a rookie keeper on uh, Westbrook. I know you do. And uh, he he would cost me a seventh round pick in our in our league, and I'm going to tell you right now, folks, uh, I'm gonna, I'll be getting that seventh round pick and using it on somebody else. Uh, in my opinion, uh, this is going to be a fantastic, fantastic sleeper. You know, Nick, if you hit this one, we will be saving this and playing it back, and, and definitely giving you kudos, my man. I love it. That's the idea of a sleeper. 
That's the idea of a sleeper. Yep. People are yep. not supposed to agree on your sleepers. Yep, no, find, them, dig them out of the, find them and dig them out of the dirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right, let me ask you something then. Uh, who's your NFC sleeper? Uh, NFC sleeper, uh, you know, you're going to like this one. I'm going with Eli yeah. Manning. What? Yep. I'm going with I'm going with Eli Manning and and you know I'm going with him because last year in a lot of leagues he just he wasn't even drafted or he sat on a waiver or he was a real late pickup or he was an early pickup and then he was a drop and this year healthy OBJ Ingram Bill Cruz Shepard, is that you you're you're adding <laughs> Saquon Barkley right you might even have to nickname. Uh, New York City, right back into TD City with him. So, uh, you know, I think he's going to have one of his best years. Uh, I believe he's going to have a pretty good year. JT referenced a wrestler that we had on uh, three years ago that had come out <laughs> with the bold claim after two Super Bowl wins that this Eli is going to break be out. Eli's breakout year. So, um no, I agree with you. Uh, I, I I don't know how much he's a sleeper, but I agree with you as far as what kind of offense he has around him. It's reminiscent of what they did with Peyton, give him the best weapons that they can to send them off with another opportunity. And, and what I mean, J.T., do Good. I'll you, wait. You Nick, both... uh, hold on one second, J.T. Yeah. Uh, Nick, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm seeing him as a sleeper simply because if you felt like you were going to pass on him or you're listing him as your number two quarterback, you almost could feel him and end up playing him as your number one quarterback if you draft him correctly. Right, right. I got you. I got you. No, understood. Understood. Because, yeah, he normally isn't somebody you go ahead and draft. How, how do you feel about uh, Manning's chances this year? Do you, do you think last year, JT, was the beginning – of the end, we're seeing him fall off, and it's not going to matter what weapons you give him. Is he losing his arm strength? Is he losing a little bit of accuracy? Because he, you know, I mean, he hasn't always been no. the most accurate at times. So, uh, do no, we see the no, beginning uh, of the end? Or, or no, or? no. Let's let's be real. And I, I always thought this kind of thing would put me straight over the falls, and I have a feeling it's going to because I'm about to I'm about to stick up for Big Blue, but. <laughs> Let's be realistic. He lost probably the best receiver in football in Odell Beckham last year. He didn't have him to throw to. His offensive line, meanwhile, his left tackle in Eric Flowers was absolutely horrible, so the guy was getting lit up on the blind side. He had no running game to speak of, and if all that wasn't enough, he had one of the dumbest offensive minds as a head coach in McAdoo that I've ever seen in any level, including peewee football. So – Let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on Eli's demise. The Mannings are play-action quarterbacks. Without a running game, there is no play-action. He's got a running back now. He's got some offensive line now. Odell's back. Shepard's better. Ingram's a beast at tight end. Let's look and watch Eli go back to looking a little bit more like the 2008-2009 Eli than what we saw last year. Boy, did that hurt? It did. It, it really did. <laughs> Could, couldn't have felt too good. I understand that. But, hey, listen, you know, it's a funny thing. Uh, 
funny thing along the way, once upon a time, the Giants had a pretty decent team. And last year, nobody expected last year. But then again, nobody expected Odell to get hurt, all that good stuff. So it's going to be interesting as far as how all that plays out. I want to go ahead and say wonderful things, obviously, because I am a Giants fan. But uh, you know what? I'll go ahead. I'll keep quiet for a little bit. I'll let guys that I know hate the Giants talk well of them. And uh, I want to see let – me, let me watch a preseason uh, practice or a game or two before I go ahead and uh, anoint anybody. So uh, very interesting. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Let's, uh, let's keep it going. And um, I'll tell you what, Nick, go ahead and give me give me the AFC bust. Who's your AFC bust? Ah, uh, so AFC bust, Kareem Hunt. Saying Kareem Hunt Ooh. because it, it it's kind of interesting. You got a guy who broke out last year, but now you're going to reintroduce Spencer Ware. So is there going to be an identity? Is he going to get the rock all the time? What's he going to do with it? Should you be drafting this guy as high as you really want to draft him? Because you think, wow, this guy's super talented. But he's got a handcuff. And he's got actually a pretty decent handcuff. So uh, average draft position tells me that's going to be a bust. Mm Hmm. JT, you agree? Oof. You know, Nick, I'd like to, I'd like to agree with you because what you have some sound premise to some of the stuff you're saying there. But there's, there's two words that will keep that guy from being a bust: Andy Reid. Andy Reid doesn't have bust running backs. He is one of the best minds at finding a way to utilize multiple running backs that I think we have in the NFL. And then you look at the actual system that they run where both of those guys are receivers out of the backfield. And let's remember, Spencer Ware actually played some fullback when he came into the league with Seattle Seahawks. I could see both of those guys lined up in the backfield. I'm not saying – now, with your ADP parts, the part I'm giving you, yeah, they may not put up where he's – you know, where his ADP is, but it's hard to call this guy a bust. I still think you're looking at 1,300, 1,400 total yards from this guy, eight to ten touchdowns. Okay. All right. Interesting. A little difference of opinion there. And going to the NFC, and I'll go back to Nick on this, and then we'll go ahead and give a little opinion on this one. NFC bust, Nick. Nick, what do you got? I'm going with Deshaun Jackson. I love the Mm -hmm. guy. I think he wants to catch the ball. I think he's super talented. Um, Too many weapons. Too many weapons around him. You got an iffy quarterback. I've watched the guy play plenty, and Jameis Winston will overthrow the passes way too much. And now you've got him on a suspension for three games. That's still up in the air. So who's going to be his quarterback? You'd think that it's magic. how far Winston can throw yeah, the ball. I'm this rifle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, without the beard this time. So <laughs> we'll see what he can do. But, uh, I mean, you'd think that this guy would be able to streak down the field, catch the ball, and he'd be putting up some touchdown numbers. There's way too many weapons uh, on the team. It's, just, it's, it's insane to see who's, who's going who's gonna to pass the ball to him. When is he going to catch it? 
When are they going to utilize him? How long is he going to be on the field? It's 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 just a big toss up. I, I mean, I I'd almost keep right. him completely, just not even draft him. Nick, I, let me just let me jump in real quick, on Nick. Yeah, here, I agree with you completely, but for a totally different reason. I don't even think Deshaun Jackson's relevant enough to be considered a bust at any point. He's what the fifth target on the team behind Godwin, Evans, Bray, and O.J. Howard. I mean, let alone. Jones out of the backfield with his receiving ability. So I don't even – his ADP's got to be in the 250s, 260s at this point in Yahoo League. Um, we're talking about a guy that was the disappearing man last year, so I, I don't even think he's relevant at this point enough to even consider him a bust. Interesting. Interesting stuff. I like what you guys are bringing as we're getting all this together for all you football fans out there. And I like what you guys are bringing so much. I'm going to do this. I wasn't going to really talk much football tonight. I wasn't really going to give much because we have the expected articles with the, with the top 10 list. We've got my sleepers, my bus, which I have a bunch of. But since I have you both here right now, we're talking football. We're getting ready for the Bob Tewksbury interview. I'm going to give you both one bust, one boom, and see what you both have to say. The first one, I'm going to go boom in my NFC. And I'm going to base this off of certain stats that uh, are really inside. You've got to take a look at some of what goes on. Somebody, a quarterback that, if you follow the show, you know that I followed his work because I love his completion percentage. I'm going to have to go NFC boom as Kirk Cousins. And I just want to throw out a couple of numbers out to everybody uh, and give you an idea of why I'm looking at this. And that is first, uh, let's take a look at the idea that Kirk Cousins, since 2015, Kirk Cousins ranks fourth in fantasy points off Uh play action passes. Over the past three years, Kirk Cousins has a 70.1% completion rate off play action, best among NFL qualified QBs. But, you know, you take a look at those, and that explains about him. That says what his strength is. When you match a quarterback that has those kind of strengths with what the philosophy of the team is, well, now it's something that you must pay attention to. Last season, Vikings pass catchers led the league in receptions at 102 and 13-12 yards off play-action passes. That's just one part. Over the, uh, 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 what I'm giving you about Kirk Cousins, and I'll go into it more. Tell you what, I'll give you one more. Over the last three years, only Cam Newton, Tyrod Taylor have more rushing touchdowns than Kirk Cousins. So just want to go ahead. I'm going to throw Kirk Cousins out there, guys. JT, I'll start with you. What's your thoughts on Kirk Cousins? Uh, I'll give more on him later on, but this is this is a little tease for everybody. Well, you know, you know, in our big dynasty league that we play, and I have him in both of them. Uh, I'm looking at a guy that did all that fantasy production with 
at best a low-end wide receiver two, and Jamison Crowder is probably his most reliable target. I mean, this guy didn't have a Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph, a Dalvin Cook receiving ability out of the backfield, and a guy Mm -hmm. who's starting to show something in camp in Laquan Treadwell we might finally have a quarterback that can get this guy's talent out of this guy. So I absolutely love Kirk Cousins this year, a lot for the reasons you're talking about and a lot for the reasons of the weapons around this guy. So, yeah, absolute boom for that guy. Uh, what about you, Nick? Agree with uh, agree with Kirk Cousins this year? Are you, are you buying him this year? Is he somebody you're targeting? Uh, if I can get Kirk Cousins on my team, I'd put him on my team. This guy is going to absolutely explode. I mean, just absolutely explode off the charts. Touchdowns, rushing yards, passing yards, just nonstop offense coming out coming out of him. And I just love the guy. I think the guy is absolutely phenomenal player. He's super humble, and he and he just he he plays he plays like he wants to win. And and you know he's not playing. He gets the money this year, but he, he he's never really just played for money. He's he's playing to win, and he's going to put points on your board. Real quick, because we've got to wrap up the segment. We're running out of time for this segment. I'm going to give my bust for AFC. I'll give my reasons uh, next week uh, on this a little further. I want to hear what you guys have to say, because I believe that this bust in the AFC will – and the era of his head coach. I say Pat Mahomes is going to be a bust, folks. I think it will cost Andy Reid his job by the end of the year. What say you, Nick Katowski, first? I don't think he's going to be a superstar by any stretch. And again, I'm already looking at uh, one of the other players that I'm calling a bust. So um, if he fails, uh the whole team fails and the coach takes the fall on it uh, because you're talking the two main offensive weapons gone. But um, is he going to be a bust? It's hard to say. I think he's going to be a bust. I, I, if I'm drafting him, I draft him way later if he just happens to be around on the board. JT? Uh, I, I couldn't disagree with you more. I look at a guy that's got all the physical tools. He's got a genius quarterback coach in Andy Reid. Andy Reid jumped up from 27 to 10 to draft this guy, and you look at Andy Reid over his career is not a guy who moves in the draft, not like that. So he saw something in this guy, and I'd like to think Andy Reid knows a little bit more about what makes the, an NFL quarterback than I do. Uh, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think I think when you look at that, I think when you look at that organization, Andy Reid is one of those coaches like a, a Mike Tomlin, a Bill Belichick that have complete carte blanche. You know what? We believe in you. We're not going to fire you after one season. Uh, or two bad seasons. You look at it, I think Pat Mahomes has all the talent. I think he's got weapons around him. He's got a good offensive line and a genius head coach. So, no, I think Pat Mahomes has a nice year. I think he's a quarterback, too, with upside. Um, Dynasty leagues, I think he's even better. But mm-hmm. Andy Reid's safe regardless what happens. Interesting. Don't forget, last thing on that, the guy that helped make that decision in John Dorsey mm-hmm. is in Cleveland now. So it's not all Andy Reid that took that risk. It's not all Andy Reid, but like you mentioned, they did move up to take him, and they did ship him out. They shipped out Alex Smith, and they had mm-hmm. to get the okay from the coach on that. Right. So it's going to be interesting. We'll see. We'll see it play out. That was a great segment, guys. As always, Nick, thanks for a great show. Thanks for joining us. We'll be having you on soon. 
All right. Take care, gents. Talk to you guys later. All right, man. Thanks so much. JT, next week, my man, you're going to be ready for this. We're going full football. We're going to go. uh, I've got all kinds of stuff for you. You'll see. All right, that's what I kind of figured. I figured you're more than ready for football. You seem like you've uh, you've been chomping at the bit, and uh, you've been chomping at the football bit like Sam Clum chomps at a trade. No one, no one chomps like Sam Clum. Let's be realistic. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's the Dave Chappelle of the trade market. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, they are trying to change the name of the store from Trader Joe's to Trader Clums, I hear you. So. Uh-huh. It would not surprise me. So, would not but, uh, fo- as yeah. always, football's coming. As always, great job. Looking forward to next week. We've got baseball and football next week, JT. Ryan Walton joining us next week. Your fellow Finn there. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got, I got lots to ask him. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. I'm going to try and, matter of fact, before that show next week, folks, I'm going to try and make it down to Miami camp myself uh, because Ryan has been reporting back some interesting things that we want to share with you next week. I want to go verify it for myself, a show that you don't want to miss, If not just if you're a Finns fan, but if you're a fantasy player and wanting to know what we're seeing firsthand at the camp, Tannehill, we've got a report on him. I've had some early news on Albert Wilson, Devontae Parker. I've had some great, interesting stuff on Drake. So, I mean, folks, stay tuned next week. JT, as always, great job, my man. I will see you next week. Thanks for everything. See you, Jester. And that was a really good segment we recorded the other night. And I'll tell you, since then, I've been able to go ahead and confirm that this coming week, uh, ahead of next week's show, what I'm going to do is I'm going to Tampa. I'm going over by the Bucks. Uh, I've been talking with one of their uh, reporters over there, going to meet up with him and sit and watch uh, and see what we get out of the Bucks next week. And also next week we'll be having Ryan Walton. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more uh, right after we pay the bills. We have Bob Tewksbury, all that good stuff. Miami Sunglasses. Whether you are starting a small business, hosting a fundraiser, or have had a store for years, Miami Sunglasses is your direct source for quality wholesale sunglasses at the best prices. With over 800 styles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Check out their low prices today. That's Miami Sunglasses. Hi, this is Jim Rosenhaus with the Cleveland Indians, and you are listening to the Fantasy Jester. That's right. You know, as we come back off of the commercial, and it is, it's my pleasure. As you can see, we like bringing in the baseball people. It's not just football. It's not just all the action sports and all that. We really do want to bring you the best in baseball coverage. And a previous guest of ours, he was on, go check out the show, fantastic book we'll be talking about as well is our next guest and this is a pre-recorded segment and one of the things that you run into and it was funny because uh, Bob Tewksbury who is our next guest and I have run into that this morning where you know 
everybody's on different coasts at different times and having to check. And we had that problem, uh, as many of you know, uh, with Mark Duper. I ended up calling him while he was on the golf course. So, you know, just simply having everybody know what time zone they are in and how it affects the other person. So ran into that this, today, this morning. So as you're listening to this podcast, it was recorded uh, shortly after coffee, uh, 10 a.m. on Thursday morning. And uh, coffee's complete. We've got Bob Tewksbury in the house. Bob, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm good. Good morning, Jester. I am uh, I'm doing well, too. I had all my coffee, so we're all on the same page here. We're properly caffeinated. Beautiful. That's always what I like to hear. You know, Bob, uh, <laughs> we, 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 yeah, we, we, listen, folks, if you missed the first interview, you're going to get to see uh, what a wonderful conversation it is with Bob. Get used to the last humor. You've heard the uh, video, the audio clip uh, with him. Let's get into it, Bob. They're, they're waiting here. Let's get right to it. First, let's cover some of what you do, okay? Um Tell everybody, give them a, over, a quick overview, uh, the team that you work for, and your role for them. Uh, right now, I work for the San Francisco Giants as their mental skills coach, mostly with the Major League team, but also overlap with the AAA team. And there's a team of three of us that kind of go around the organization and are available to the players uh, prior to that. I worked for the Red Sox for a number of years in the same capacity, and so I've been in uh, pro baseball now for over 30 years as a player and a mental skills coach and um, getting ready to get back on the road to San Francisco uh, next week. Interesting. And as a, as a mental skills coach, so in other words, what uh, do they dispatch you to the young draftees, to the young guys? And if so, what, what are some of the first things you're telling the young guys? Um, well, that's a good point a good question they don't we have somebody that does that and I did that when I was with the Red Sox I would meet all the newly drafted players and um, so you know uh, what we do is uh, we help players with confidence uh, tension uh, you know negative thoughts um, focus relaxation and so and that varies from from level to level as the players are more experienced, the younger players, you know, need to know more. So you teach them more. The older players, you know, have figured it out on their own and you might just be a, a, a resource for them. But so the, the, what we talk about is the same thing at all levels, but it's the newer level kids are coming into pro ball. They're, um, you know, oftentimes away from home for the first time. And I talk to them about the, uh, they're starting their process of professionalization. And what I mean by that is they'll, they signed their contract, you know, the lifelong dream to play pro baseball. And, mm -hmm. and on this, on this path, if they do get to the big leagues, they're going to, you know, have failure, have success. They're probably going to be injured. They may get sent down a level. They may get called up a level, um, you know, they're probably, as I said, they're going to fail for the first time probably uh, in their lives. They're going to have to understand how to deal with that. They're going to be away from home. They're going to deal with long-distance relationships. They're going to deal with, you know, uh, finding housing and setting up rides to the park and all kinds of things that come up that uh, pro baseball um, 
you know, it's just the lifestyle that you have for a short period of time. And when they start out like that, um, you know, it can be a little overwhelming. So you can be a resource for them, which is always fun. Right. right. Well, uh, exactly. And that's that's kind of where I wanted to go and ask you is, you know, guys get called up briefly and then sent back down. And my understanding that sometimes the call up is either too soon for them or, you know, back and, and or just the team just was, knew that it was just going to be a simple call up and, and the send back down. Sometimes I would imagine is very emotional when that occurs, yeah. when that occurs. What's the first thing that you try and tell that young man? Uh, well, <laughs> it, it depends who it is. Uh, there's really nothing you can tell them because they're shocked. You know, I mean, how it happens is they get called into the office with their manager or their pitching coach or hitting coach and maybe the farm director or in the big league level, it's the GM. And they say, hey, we're sending you down to AAA and – or we're sending you down to double A or we're sending you to a ball. And those are never good words to hear because you're going backwards. And there's not a lot you can tell anyone at that time, you know, you get the old pat on the back, like, Hey, get down there and work hard, but it really sucks. And so, uh, you know, I just tell guys, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel for you, you know, go keep working and keep working. Uh, it's it's really hard. I get sent down seven times, so I was pretty good at that. Well, then uh, not to be callous, then you should be able to coach these gentlemen well when it occurs. Absolutely, it's like you've hey, been through. Suck it up. Been through the experience. Well, it's part of the game. Yeah, it's mm-hmm, part of mm-hmm. the it's part of the process. You know, it's part of the process. It's part of the journey. So embrace it and go down and do your job and get back. Now, last time on the show, I never I never asked you some of the more likely questions uh, regarding you as a player. Now, let me let me go with the tougher one first. Who was the toughest batter that you faced? The guy that you really dreaded seeing walk into the box. Well, I had I have to say it was it's my wife, really, and and wiffle ball, yeah, yeah. Because if really, she gets she one, she can hit. Well, she can hit right hander and uh, you know high ball hitter, low ball drinker. You know she's just she's really a she's really a tough out, and uh, and then if I don't throw it over so she can hit it, she gets mad at me. So that's not a lot of fun either. Uh, but no win you know, besides her, it's a no win situation. Uh, but besides her, I'd say probably statistically it was Ryan Sandberg, I think, because he, um, he really, uh, uh, he hit me pretty well. And, um, I didn't like seeing him come up to the plate. Now, listen, folks, uh, we're dealing with a guy who was a Cy Young nominee, okay, all-star pitcher many times. And, with, I mean, in 92 all-star game, you're sitting there with Cone, Smoltz, Clavin, Maddox, yourself, and all that. So, folks, when I ask this question, uh, I'm sure it's going to be with humility on his part to give the answer, but who was the hitter that was – I mean, he was just that good 
But you simply had no problem with him. And it was like, well, what's the big deal? I don't see what, what makes this guy so good. You had no problem with him. Yeah. Uh, Gary Sheffield. Uh, I think Sheffield's like one for 16 off of me. And, you know, he was a great hitter, uh, power hitter, hit for high average. But I somehow uh, I could get him out and, and frustrate him. So he was one. And Andres Galarraga was another one. He was a really long, you know, long tenured, uh, very good first baseman. And so there's a couple that I had success with. Not many, but a couple. <laughs> well, you had you had success, sir. Uh, you're being quite humble on that. Let me let me ask you something. One of those teams that you were on uh, had Joe Torre coach the St. Louis team. What can you tell us about his coaching style? What what's it like being on a Joe Torre uh, managed team? Yeah, Joe is great. You know, uh, and uh, I know you're going to talk about the book, but there's a chapter in the book where I talk about. Uh, in detail Joe's effect on me and my career. So it's a little teaser to the, to the people uh, that wanted to get more detail, but Joe is just a kind, gentle man. He's really good communicator, uh, treated people with respect and very humble and, uh, and very knowledgeable. He's, uh, he's been in the game a long time and he was really, really fun to play for. Nice. And, and what was it like now? You're on the mound, and defense is always the pitcher's best friend. What was it like having Ozzy Smith behind you, and, and how many times did you want to hug the man? <laughs> no, I don't want to hug him because I, I was told him I was mad at him that I didn't get invited to the Hall of Fame uh, ceremony that he got elected <laughs> to because I, well, because I, got him, I got him to the Hall of Fame. You know, with got all those the ground balls. balls that I, yeah, I got him there, and he never <laughs> once recognized me. So I don't want to hug him at all. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, keeping on with the game and what's going on today now. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the home runs today. A couple of a couple of months ago, I had on Dr. Alan Nathan, who was brought in by the MLB to study uh, the increased rate in home runs and and he's still doing more studies on it it hasn't been completely conclusive i have my own beliefs what is yours why are we seeing so many home runs today Hmm. uh well the players will tell you that the balls are harder um that the hitters are trying to get the ball in the air and uh from their swings and the combination of the two leads to that. Um, I don't know if the, you know, not having thrown a baseball in years, I, I don't know if they're harder or not. I, um, so mm-hmm. I do think that people's swings have changed, and uh, I think the philosophy of pitching has changed. And um, you don't see a lot of pitchers pitching in off the plate, Um most of the pitchers are pitching away with, with breaking balls. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you throw, when you throw a lot of breaking balls as pitchers do now, um, not all of them are going to be quality pitches and those are pretty easy pitches to hit out of the park. So I don't think there's any one thing, but I think there's probably a number of little things that have uh, attributed to this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my belief, and just real quick, I want to throw this thought to you. 
my belief, and in particular for somebody who played years ago like yourself, they've moved a bunch of the walls in. What did you, what does everybody expect? How many stadiums over the past decade have moved the walls in? Well, but that hasn't, you know, Comerica Park did, Yankee uh, or um, City Field did, San Diego did. Um, mm-hmm. Mets did, City Field. They, yeah, but they've, they, that's not been anything recent. That's happened, in, you know, mm-hmm. five years ago. Those Those things were still moved in, and the numbers have gone up. So I'm not sure that that's it, but. Okay. Yeah, I would have preferred okay. the pitch. I would have preferred the pitch in a park like the Grand Canyon. That would have been really good because I don't think they could have <laughs> hit him out of the Grand Canyon. The only park that's not leaving is Yellowstone. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, as he says this, folks. Okay, he says this, and I don't even know how you do it with a straight face, uh, folks. If you've seen Bob pitch, listen. I always go by wins and losses, and you know what? Bottom line, you have more wins. Then you do losses. So I don't don't That's listen to all that stuff. Okay? Don't listen to all <laughs> That's that. That's correct. Name game, sir. Name game. We did it the last time. I hit you with a bunch, a uh, couple of uh, words, and I'm asking for a word yeah. or a couple of words back. You ready? I'm ready. I love this. Let's do it. All right. We, we, let's start out with two we've already mentioned. Joe Torrey. Kind. Ozzie Smith. Amazing. New Hampshire. Home. San Francisco. Beautiful. St. Louis. Hot. (laughs) The movie The Scout. A, a, A blockbuster. (laughs) <laughs> Folks, 94 comedy film Go check it out Alright, now we, We're going to go through some managers real quick Tom Kelly Snarly His pitching coach And yours, Dick Such Quiet He never said anything He's like a mime pitching coach He was just kind of <laughs> Wonderful uh, He was he was, he was. He's a wonderful guy. He just didn't talk. <laughs> Marceau Moseau is your pitching coach, Bob. There you go. Uh, <laughs> all right. How about Bruce Bochy? You played for him. Big, yeah, big head. <laughs> you check out the size of his head? He's got a big head. Uh, I will go ahead and review his head later on today now because of you. <laughs> Folks listening to the live show, I will give you my report. <laughs> Johnny Oates. Uh, wow, Johnny Oates. Um, calm. Okay. Calm. And la- last one, Gene the Stick Michael. Uh, I didn't know Gene that well, but uh, skinny. That's why they call him the stick. I'll go with skinny. <laughs> Oh, I lied. Here is the last one. I want your opinion. Designated hitter. Yes, no, or leave it be the way it is. Mm. Uh, I I think that there should be no DH 
baseball should be played with the pitcher hitting. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. One of the things I also love, folks, is something that you should all check into. This is something for not just sports fans, okay? This is for everyone. It doesn't matter your walk of life. I can promise you it will help you in your journey of life. You know that we like to bring the positive to the show. We bring the uplifting. And one of the best things that I can give you, and this is why I wanted Bob on again today, was to bring you this. On Amazon, it is currently, you're getting 4.7 stars on Amazon, Bob. I don't know if you know that. Mm. Um, you're getting some no, great didn't. reviews. Yeah, great reviews. 90% mental. An all-star player turned mental skills coach reveals the hidden game of baseball. Bob, I'll let you have it. Why are people given 4.7? Why do people read your book and why should they? Well, I appreciate the plug, Jester. I think it's uh, I think it's been well received because it was well written. It's a unique topic from a unique perspective. You know, it's about uh, the mental skills in baseball, uh, psychology of performance from my career, and and lessons learned firsthand, and also what I've shared with some of today's best players uh, when I was with them as a member of the Red Sox. That would be. Lester, Rizzo, Andrew Miller, Rich Hill. Um, but the takeaways in this, I've had a, I've had a, a, a policeman from St. Louis say that he learned some relaxation techniques from reading the book that he's going to share with his officers. I've had um, 14-year-old kids say that, you know, this helped them with, with one ask. They listened to the audio book, which is also available in and this helped him, you know, I've had uh, a doctor say that he read the book and, you know, a lot of the things that the doctors deal with is, you know, how to slow things down. And so performance is performance. It's just under which, you know, which curtain is it? Is it, it could be baseball. It could be football. It could be amateur tennis, amateur golf. It could be being a doctor. It could be a podcast hoster. Uh, you know, that, you know, exactly. we're all, we're all human and, and uh, life is a game of mental skills. And I think that um, the book is kind of a microcosm of life and just seen through baseball. That's all. Actually. And that is something that I do want to say thank you for, because uh, it's funny you should mention the stress part. It's kind of helped me too. So um, it, it, this one kind of hits home for me, folks. Uh, and it is one of the more, uh, the bigger reasons I've had Bob on today. It's not just the fun. It's not just talking about baseball. It is, in my opinion, uh, my honor to go ahead and tell my fans about one hell of a book that everybody really should read in their lifetime. Um, Bob, you know, last time you were on, you gave us a, a very funny sound bite you know normally we ask people to tell us a funny story but you were able to give us this gem hi this is bob tewksbury former major league pitcher and author of 90 percent mental and you've been listening to jester fantasy or fantasy jester shit <laughs> uh, yeah you could, you could you could use that can i i might yeah it's all right with you no i think it'd be funny Bob, I have used the living hell out of that. I bet you. And I have. 
It is. Oh yeah, no, it's at the end of every show now because that is just uh, that's just great times. That's what it's like sitting and talking with with Bob Tewksbury, folks. But this time, but this time, I'm not going to let you escape. Give us a funny story from your playing days that will allow me to still be on air next week. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. All right, I'm uh so hmm. Does it have to involve me? No. Could be anything. No. Okay, so here's one. So Terry, my great friend and great catcher, Terry Steinbach of the Minnesota Twins in 1998 was behind home plate at the Metrodome. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were playing Oakland, and I believe, I can't remember the guy, it was Newman was the third base coach. And Terry had had Newman as a coach when he was with the athletics. And every time Newman ran from the first base dugout to the third base coaching box, he would pushed down on the back of Terry who was squatting catching the the pitch for warm-ups and he had some Terry had some tough knees so any push down from you know the back toward the ground caused some pain in his knees so he Newman kept doing it and Terry said look if you keep doing this you know payback's a bitch and so he did it a couple more times well the next day we had a (laughs) That was a Saturday night. We had a Sunday morning, uh, we had a Sunday day game. Terry came in with a nail gun and went to the visiting clubhouse before anyone got there and nailed all of Newman's clothes and equipment to the locker. So he couldn't, (laughs) his shoes were nailed to the floor, his belt, his glove was nailed to his locker, his uniform was nailed to the wall. Beautiful. So he he couldn't, yeah. So be careful of paybacks, but the nail gun was one of my favorite stories. I laughed so hard at that. I went in and saw the I went in and saw it. I couldn't believe it that he went in and nailed all those stuff to the locker. So that is that that's fantastic. And folks, that story was not brought to you by one of my sponsors, 84 Lumber. That is uh, how do you work that one in? That's beautiful. Uh, no, that is funny as hell, and that's why I love talking with you, Bob. Uh, you have fantastic stories, whether they're funny from the playing days, talking about just some great times in baseball, and it is always a pleasure. Folks, the book, 90% Mental, an all-star player turned mental skills coach reveals the hidden game of baseball Go buy it, or I will find you. Bob, <laughs> awesome. I have fun with my fans. My fans know I will I will hunt yeah. you down. I will find them. I will put yeah. them in a wrestling ring until they buy it, Bob. I will twist some yeah. baby's arms if I have to. Let's well, go. I, so, so, all right, so here's a quick little story based on okay. that. So I'm reading, the, I'm reading my book, uh, the credits. <laughs> I'm doing the audio book, and I'm reading the end of the book to do a disclaimer that you know all rights are reserved any use of this material without the consent of the author is strictly prohibited so but i'm in the recording studio and i'm reading this and uh, the engineers back there and i said i said uh, all of this is prohibited uh you know um, express written consent is needed 
If you do not ask for consent, I will find you. I will hunt you down. I will <laughs> kill you. And <laughs> and uh, it works. The, the, People understand. The engineer was the engineer was looking at me like, "Oh my God, I can't believe you said that." And then I laughed and I said, "I said I just wanted to get your attention." So I got his attention and we edited it properly. But uh, so that was all in fun. Bob, you're one of the perfect guests for this show because just like the show, you are informative and you are funny. It is a great time as always. Thank you so much. Well, uh, we'll be hitting you up in a couple of months again uh, as the season rolls wraps up and we'll be talking with you, Bob. Uh, Sounds good, Jester. Talk to you. Thanks so much. You have a great day. I will. Thank you. You know, one of the things, folks, is being able to have him on and an interview go so well. And one of the funny things is we alluded to at the beginning of that interview about working out the time zones and how sometimes you got to double check because you'd be surprised. People lose track, whether I'm on the West Coast or they're on the West Coast. I live in the East Coast and, you know, I had alluded to in the talking about it with at the beginning of the Bob interview regarding Mark Duper. And what happened was, is Mark's got a a Florida number and I'm here in Florida and got to be honest with you, never checked with him where he was. Hadn't really had that problem before was always communicate, able to communicate. I'll try that one again with my guests pretty well. And, where they are, and I didn't with Mark Duper and got this one day. Seven o'clock, right? No, no, I'm on the I'm on the Louisiana on the golf course. Right, that's what happened with Mark Duper, and uh, so it's not always golden, but it is always fun here. As we get ready to go ahead, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk some more football. We're getting ready to bring in. I mentioned fantastic fantasy football group on Facebook year round. Fantasy football discussion, bringing in one of the admins tonight. Michael Cunningham joins the discussion. And before we bring him in, just want to go ahead and make sure you get ready for next week, folks. Next week, we got JT live again. We're going to have a couple of call-ins. One of them, obviously, Finn's on Finn's time. We're going to have Ryan Walton in. If you don't know who Ryan Walton is, we'll explain him in a minute. Brian Walton usually comes with a guest, and uh, I'm also going to be, like I mentioned earlier, in Tampa on Tuesday, going to check out with the beat writer over there for the Tampa Bay Bucks. going to check out the Bucks uh, camp, get to talk to him, find out what I can find out, and get back to you next Saturday. So next Saturday, going to be chock full of uh, football, JT and I going really to kick off my top ten list that are going to be out. This, at the end of this week, they start coming out. Look for them. Get the fantasy rankings out there. Fantasy folks getting ready to make some money again with us this year. It's going to be fun times. All kicks off next week. Mention Ryan Walton. Ryan Walton is a guy, and, well, I'll tell you what. We were talking to Walt Aikens about him, and uh, this is what you can expect on Fins on Fins. Who's crazier, Ryan Walton diving with sharks 
or Luke Aikens, no relation, obviously, diving out of a plane with no parachute. Ryan Walton, forget that, man. You can't control no sharks. But, yeah, Ryan is crazy. Ryan, is, the, the stuff he does with these sharks, man, he treats them like little kids or puppies. Or It's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> so, okay, which would you rather do, dive with sharks with Ryan Walton or have to cover Gronkowski? Hmm. I like the shark diving, but man, Grunk, I love that challenge. Nice. I might have to nice. say Grunk. Okay. <laughs> and then lastly, I always ask everybody this, Walt, favorite funny story that you can share with us from the team that allow me to still be on air next week. My boy Bobby McCain. Um what happened? He got a peek in the game or something, made a big tackle. And Xavier Howard came up and, and smacked him on the butt during the game. And Bobby flew like five yards. And we didn't let him live that down the entire year. That mess was so funny. It was a meme and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so yes. much for coming on and taking this time tonight. We we all appreciate fin- it. And fins up. Most fins Thank you all for having me. Fins up. That's Fins on fins next week, folks. Uh, that's what you can expect. Who knows who's coming in, but we know we're getting Ryan Walton. We have a guest. Like I, I want to put it out there because we have him lined up, but it's one of those things. We're going to try and line up everybody's schedule on a pre-record because it, it is somebody that's currently in the NFL, and so it's matching his schedule uh, Ryan's schedule, myself, JT, to be able to go ahead and, and give it all to you. At the very least, Fins on Fins, as, as a, a bunch of you out there who follow along, know it doesn't matter. Having Walton on is just as good. We get a lot of inside stuff from the locker room. JT and I are going to be grilling him next week, so look forward to that. Lots of fun as well. And like I had mentioned, coming up now, we're getting ready to bring him in. From the fantasy Facebook, uh, Facebook group, uh, from the Facebook group Fantasy Football Year-Round Fantasy Football Discussion, Michael Cunningham is joining the show, and uh, we're going to talk to him and get his insight so that you can get a little taste of some of the discussions that go on in this group. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. Can't wait to talk about some of these players I picked out. You know, there's a lot going on, and, and some of the great discussions that go on in this group, Michael, and, and uh, I, it's a joy to be here. Thank you so much for welcoming me into your group and Jeff's and everybody else there, a great admin group that we have. Um, let me tell you, uh, that, that group there, and I've been in a couple now. Uh, throughout Facebook, as people know, I, I travel around le- learning the different social media groups and all that, and have settled in at this group as a home, just simply because of things that Michael's going to talk about and what he's going to give you. Michael comes to you, he's coming from the New Mexico area, okay, he's giving you a West Coast uh, mountain area breakdown for us, for you, so it's going to be interesting to see who he's giving tonight. Michael, go ahead. Sorry, Mike. What do you have for us? I know you have AFC for us, I believe. Yes, I do. I got a, uh, I got AFC um, West and uh, AFC in general. 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's see. What do you got? All right. So I, uh, I'm going with my home team for a couple boom players here. Um, mm-hmm. Players that you definitely are going to want to watch out for. Um, and the first one is one, one guy that I've been excited for since um, the Columbine, really. And that's going to be Kurt, um, I can't even talk right now, uh, Sutton yeah. from Denver. Sutton. I'm having the same issue you were. Uh, Kurtland <laughs> uh, Sutton has had one of the best uh, preseason um, that you could have hoped for out of a rookie. Um, he was a second-round draft pick, uh, and and his preseason or off-season rather had just been amazing. Um, him and uh, the new quarterback uh, for the Broncos, Casey Keenum, have uh, already established a connection. They're working well together, and that's one of the big things you look for whenever you're talking about a receiver is how good they connect with their quarterback. One of the the things I love the most with uh, with him is is his size. He, he's big. Um, he, he's able to to go up for the jump ball. And Vance Joseph was is uh, was saying earlier today that most guys for the jump ball are fifty fifty. Um, mm-hmm. They're calling him a sixty forty guy. With the ball's up in the air, he's got a 60 forty of getting that ball. Um, and so far through OTAs, which you know you take with a grain of salt, he's almost a hundred percent for the jump ball. And that's just wow. You know, when you're you're considering going up against guys like Chris Harris Jr. and you know, the yeah. no fly zone, even in practice, like that's, that's still a, an impressive thing. Yeah. yeah, it's not like he's going against slouches, is what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. Let me ask you. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Let me just interject for a second. Uh, as you mentioned Keenum there for a second, uh, isn't it true? I, I read somewhere, uh, and I haven't had the opportunity to watch film yet. Maybe you have. He just finally threw his first interception the other day after this whole time. Did you see that, too? Did That's you see that report? Yeah, that, I think that was from today's practice, actually. Was uh, it today? Yeah, I think it was from today. Uh, I'll tell so you. Either today that, or yesterday. That's impressive. That's impressive. So that, that's a good way to start. And, and yeah, uh, Cortland Sutton, somebody – Came in second round. He has expectations. You have to have those expectations when you come in. And somebody that, folks, you know, a good going to be a good red zone target as well. Six, six three, two eighteen guy, big body guy, but still can move. Uh, so I, I have to agree. I, I definitely really like who you're giving there. Who else are you giving? Uh, so the other guy, you know, again going with my 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 home team is Royce Freeman. He's uh, the running back. He was a third-round draft pick, um, and he, he played college at Oregon. And his numbers, um, and I watched some of his tape, and his numbers out of college, um, granted, I mean, you look where he played and all that, but still, he averaged 5.9 yards per carry um, at, in, with four seasons in college. Um, the amount of touches he had, he had 947 carries and was still able to be the lead back. Um, you know, he, he's got a solid speed. He ran a 454, and he, he's got everything um, to compete right away for for the uh, starting job. Um, now, the one thing I, I, I caution with Freeman, Freeman is not going to be Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley. He's not that guy. But he's the right. workhorse that Denver hasn't had um, since maybe even going back as far as Sean Moreno. Um, he he could immediately step in. He can contribute, 
And if uh, he does win out um, the, the competition between him, Devontae Booker, D'Angelo Henderson, um, and Philip Lindsay, because um, all those guys are going to get a piece of the pie, but he's going to get that main piece because when Booker had the chance last year, when uh, CJ got hurt, he, he did nothing with it. Um, same thing with the year before that. Booker, you know, is on paper as the lead back, but that's just because he's got seniority. Once, once we get through the preseason game, Freeman's going to be a guy that's going to put up 1,000 yards. He's going to make those short yard gains, and he's going to be the guy that's going to get the ball on the, on the two-yard line and dive it in for the touchdown. All right. Well, you know, you're, you're scaring me here. You're two for two because I, too, happen to like Freeman. Folks, this is a guy, again, drafted third round. It was mentioned 5'11", 229. This is a stout guy. Now, he doesn't have a lot of wiggle to him, okay? That's not his game, all right? This is a guy that's going to – and he's not really the best yet in pass protection. So, you're looking at first down, second down, goal line type back. When you're thinking Royce Freeman and you hear his name and you're looking at the video of him, what to expect? Again, all right, two for two. Let's uh, let's see if you can continue the trend there. All right, so I picked a bust, and uh, I know you're a big uh, Dolphins fan, right? Well, I do follow them. I have a lot of friends that uh, follow them, and now uh, little by little, I'm starting to make friends with the guys on the team. So. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully this doesn't get right, any, any trouble. But Hold on. Let me throw a disclaimer out there. Let me just throw a quick disclaimer for those out there wondering. Uh, I am a homegrown Giants fan at heart, and I cover all three of the Florida teams. But I have a record, and it's been documented, that I, I don't go with, you know, oh, because it's my team. No, when it's my team, I'm – dead honest with everybody. And when we did predictions, we used to do predictions on the show, Mike, and it was uh, it was 13 or 14 games in a row I had predicted my Giants to win the losses. Uh, that was two years ago. Nailed every one of them 14 straight, so I'm able to be objective. So, uh, go ahead. You're giving me a bust about a team that I happen to know a lot about. Go ahead. What's the Dolphins? What do you have to say? All right, so I'm going to go with uh, Devontae Parker. Maybe I can have him on um, next week. I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, well, Devontae Parker, you know, he, he's got all the talent in the world, and Parker. no one can deny that. Um, okay. But it, it's never he, – he's never brought it on the field. Now, you could attribute it to quarterback play. I mean, he had you know, you have Tannehill as your quarterback, you know, no one's overly excited and uh, thinks they're going to put up amazing numbers. Tannehill and out. They had Jay Cutler. Again, no one's overly excited. But a great receiver can elevate a mediocre or average quarterback and make them look great. And Devontae Parker just isn't doing that. And everyone has been waiting and waiting and waiting for him to, to be that player. He's on his third year now, I believe, with the, the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, he's going to have all of the options, all, every chance there, but I don't see him getting to be where he needs to be. He's going to, you know, he'll be, he'll be okay, but he's not going to be what you would expect out of a former first round pick and a guy with all the talent in the world. 
you're done or you're happy you got that out i don't know i don't know why you even brought that to this show but okay let me let me just go ahead and play devil's advocate if i should find myself in that role first i i want to confirm something you're in what state uh new mexico is that one of those that you know where it's one of those marijuana states is it legal there no that's colorado (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. All right, just I because I, I, I just reference. I, I like to do my own research, and uh, it, it fills in the blanks for me. Okay, I was just wondering um, because when you give Parker, I, I have to look at a guy that is supremely talented, six three two oh nine. All right, and he's been playing on a team where that first year he was on the team, his rookie year was. With Tannehill. Now, Tannehill, those last 10 games of the season, was the seventh best QBR in the league. In those last 10 games, Tannehill had the seventh best. That's not average. That is above average. This is NFL time. This wasn't, you know, during preseason. The last 10 games that this Miami offense played together with its starting quarterback. All of last year, does anybody re- – I could do better than any of the Miami quarterbacks that were on the roster last year. My fat ass would be out there being able to get the ball to where it needed to be, okay, better than Cutler was. Cutler didn't care. Cutler got his paycheck. Everybody knows this. Now, this year, I expect a lot out of Parker. I expect a lot out of Stills, and I expect a lot out of Tannehill. Tannehill's in his – in the third year, finally, of the same offense after changing offense coordinator, head coach, okay, several times, now has finally been in the same system. He's played it, got himself to the seventh best QBR over the last 10 games he played, sat back, watched it last year from the sidelines, and now is coming into it again. Should be a little bit more interesting than I think people are giving a fantasy look from a fantasy perspective. What I believe, because I believe they'll be in some high-scoring games. I like parts of the Miami defense. I'm not completely sold on it, and I think that they're going to run into problems at times. We'll discuss that more next week with Ryan on the show, but interesting that you give Parker. All right, so we're two and one here. I agree with you on two, Go ahead, and I've disagreed on one, and I'll give more on Parker next week, and I certainly want to hear what Walton has to say on that. Go ahead. Who else do you so have? One, What's your point? One last thing on Parker. Uh, just reading an interesting stat right now. Okay. He only has 139 catches, 1,900 yards for eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the top 20 uh, receivers have for the last three seasons? Go ahead. It's 172 catches, 2,400 mm-hmm. yards, and 16 mm-hmm. catches for touchdowns. So he is he is way behind everyone else in, in terms of overall production. So that's one thing I, I'm keeping in mind because I don't see him having that magic switch this year, but he could. And here's the thing, um, here's the, and this is what's good, Michael. This is what's really good about it. I, I, I have my opinion. You have yours. Next week we'll hear from, uh, from Ryan and what he's seen from camp so far 
and be able to get an opinion. He'll let you know either way on it. So it's going to be fun to find out. Folks, join us next week on that one. Definitely. All right. Uh, I agree to disagree on that. Let's let's go ahead. Uh, let's let's continue on to uh, who your next person is. All right. So my next one is a guy that I had high hopes for um, a few years back, and that's Sammy Watkins. Um, okay. Sammy Watkins is is a uh, he's now a chief. Uh, he's with the with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he's on his third team now in what four years, five years. Mm-hmm. Um. And, or he's in his fifth year. There you go. Four year. Three no, teams, fourth year. Uh, is it he his fourth? He was drafted in 2014 okay. by the Buffalo Bills, fourth overall. Yeah. So he Watkins is a he he's another guy to me that has talent, but when you look at the numbers, he he's not overly impressive. He's only had mm-hmm. one one thousand yard season. Um. No, the good news is is he's really good at his per catch at fifteen fifty nine fifteen point nine yards per catch. So that's the great news. But going to his third team, he's playing with a rookie quarterback on a team that's already loaded. You got Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, um, their tight end uh, Kelsey. You got all those weapons already in place that Mahomes has practiced with last year. Already has a connection with. I don't see Watkins being able to come in and, and be the guy that he was drafted to be back in 2014, 2015. Uh, here's the thing. It ties in with what I had mentioned earlier in the show, too, is that uh, a JT is sold on Mahomes. I'm not. I'm just not sold on him yet. I, I JT feels that we had this. It's funny. We had talked about this earlier today on the phone, too. We continued our argument about Mahomes because I don't see a lot of video out there. And he's trying to give me, well, game 17 last year. He looked pretty, pretty good. I, listen, uh, game 17 uh, wasn't really concerned. A lot of teams are already looking to next year. Kansas City. With Mahomes playing, was playing for next year, and the other team knew it. Everybody knows it. When it came down to when it meant something, and so far on the practice field this year, he's not exactly doing it. And Sammy Watkins is a guy that, yeah, besides Tyreek Hill, they're going to need him. And, and, and um, people think, here's one case of, you know, about the Homer thing. Watkins is from here. He's from Fort Myers. Okay, so I, I, I am critical of the guys that are from here. And, no, I believe that it shouldn't matter. A guy that was drafted fourth overall just a few years ago, okay, should be able to now go into any offense and just have to learn the verbiage. That's all, that, that should be exactly. the only thing he needs to do. His reads, okay, and the verbiage. And with the quarterback and, and, and timing with the quarterback, those were the things that he should be working on. But uh, if and, and if anybody can do it, it it'll be Andy Reid who get the most out of Sammy Watkins. But so far, I'm I'm not very impressed. And so far, Michael, you're two for uh, three for one. That makes you three for one. Not too bad. Not too bad your first time on. I'll take it. 
Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Folks, this is Michael Cunningham tonight, and he's coming to you from New Mexico, where it is not legal to smoke marijuana. And yet, <laughs> and yet, we still got Devontae Parker out of him. See, while you went three for one, sir, there was still that one. And I, I, I will talk furthermore in the group about this. And we'll definitely get Ryan Walton in on this. Michael, folks, Michael Cunningham, thank you, Michael, so much for joining us. You run a fantastic group, and uh, it's been a pleasure having you on tonight. All right. It was a pleasure talking to you, Joseph, and I'll, I'll talk to you later on, uh, on the chat. Not too bad, man. See you later. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. And, yeah, folks, you know, from the fantasy group, uh, fantasy football group on Facebook, year-round fantasy football discussion, that's Michael Cunningham. Not, not too bad. Not too, not too shabby. Let's give it to him. Three, three for one. I want to see what JT has to say about that next week. Like I said, we're going to go ahead. We're going to bring in <laughs> We're going to bring in Ryan Walton, which is always a trip, folks. It is always, if you are new, if you have never listened to Fins on Fins, and you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a Miami fan. Uh, if you're just a football fan, it's good stuff. And like I said, we do have a, a scheduled guest, but getting everybody's uh, timing down together could be a little bit a little bit of a challenge, especially with this guest. We'll know more as the week progresses, and we'll keep you up with that. Again, I'd like to thank everybody. I'd like to thank Blog Talk Radio JT. Nick Kutowski, Michael Cunningham, everybody that makes this possible, including Miami Sunglasses 84 Lumber. Folks, as always, it is is my pleasure. Thank you all for listening. Because of all of you, I get to wrap my life in sports. I am the Jester. I'm out. Hi, this is Bob Tewksbury, former Major League pitcher and author of 90% Mental, and you've been listening to Jester Fantasy, or Fantasy Jester, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could, you could you could use that. You could. Can I? I might. Yeah. It's all right with you. No, I think it'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs>